Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Screen Picks Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Kit Bowen. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about several movies that are opening in theaters and or streaming as well. Uh, joining me is my all-time great friend, <laughs> Joel Amos mm-hmm. of TheMovieMatch.com. Joel, how are you today? How are you doing? Muchos, muchos buenos, gracias. <laughs> Um, I think that's right. Anyway, uh, like I said, we've got we've got several movies to talk about, so we'll just jump right on in. Uh, first, we're going to talk about is Space Jam, a new legacy. I think many people have been sort of excited about this. Who loved the first Space Jam? I didn't get a chance to see it yet, so I apologize. But Joel has, so we'll let him uh, we'll let him give you the review. Let me give you the quick. Run down here, a rogue artificial intelligence kidnaps the son of a famed basketball player, LeBron James, who then has to work with Bugs Bunny to win a basketball game. It's directed by Malcolm D. Lee. Uh, as I said, LeBron James is in it. Also, John Cheadle, Sonequa Martin-Green, um, a whole bunch of people are in it. And, of course, the Looney Tunes are in it as well, which is all we really care about. Um as I said, this is a follow-up from the first Space Jam, which is when? When did the first Space Jam come out? Well, I'm looking at the 25th anniversary 4K Space Jam, Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny Blu-ray. So I'm guessing a quarter century ago. <laughs> so a while ago. Uh, so what did you think of this new one, Space Jam, A New Legacy? Um, I loved the first one. I mean, a huge Michael Jordan fan, huge Looney Tunes fan. This thing, when I even just heard about it in the old Premier magazine, remember that, um, I was just mm-hmm. like, take my money. Um, um, how can I put this? I love LeBron James. I love my Lakers. And I know he picked L.A. because he could win a championship, which he did. Hoo-ah. Um, and he will again. And also because he wanted to get into the entertainment business. And he's been doing things here and there and there. And Space Jam sequel was on that list. Now, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan is very comfortable being himself. You see it in his Hanes underwear commercials or the Nike ads he used to do uh, to this day. And there's mm-hmm. a naturalness to it. And I used to have a voice over director say that you either can do it or you can't. And sadly, right. LeBron James is like a wooden board in this movie. He is just oh, wow. uttering lines that they fed to him uh, I, to go from nothing to like a completely green screen movie making experience could be a problem. I don't know because he was terrific in Trainwreck with Bill right. Hader, and I was like, oh, dude, he's going to move to L.A. and then going to have a movie career, you know, after he's done. But in this, he was terrible and terrible oh, no. and <laughs> terrible. And what also made it worse for me. Was he terrible? And, and I, it seemed to work as an advertisement for every great thing that Warner Brothers has ever done. So you've got King Kong in there, Godzilla. They work in all these things from other IPs. Mm. 
And they don't contribute to the story. They're just there because they can be, because Warner Brothers owns them. So it comes off like a cash grab and a self-propelled advertisement for everything WB. And Caught in the Crossfire are some terrific character actors doing the voices that Mel Blanc made famous years ago and whose tones are permanently put in our head. So if they don't even sound like Bugs Bunny, we know, but they do. And even Zendaya as, as, as the, oh, God, what's her character? She's, she's the female bunny. And the female bunny, yeah. Yeah, the voice acting talent is there. And Don Cheadle is just chewing scenery. I mean, he, he thinks he's like the greatest showman in the world. And this is a, an actor who will win an Oscar one day. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's it. That's Space Jam, a new legacy. And, and I, and I want to call it the last legacy so we don't have to go down this road anymore. Or maybe we use a female, you know, athlete yes. or something who yes. could turn it like into Bird, something, you know? Diana Taurasi, uh, you know, any of these yeah. WNBA pros that are just photogenic and they're comfortable in front of the camera. I mean, I've seen it. So, yeah, that's 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 the future right well it is directed by uh malcolm dealey who's done you know several of those those great uh african-american you know rom-coms like girls trip yeah. best man holiday all those so i mean what all do you think he... <laughs> yeah what did uh i mean how was how was the direction on this it i think I, I really like Malcolm. I've, I've interviewed him several times. Uh, I, I think he's got a great touch with those Best Man movies. I remember going into the last one, which is like the third or fourth, and thinking, do we really need this? And it, it was delightful. It was fun. It touched my heart. And like Girls Trip, I mean, huh, that thing's out of this world funny. And so funny. Again, I don't know if it's just the CG green screen world that, that, that a Space Jam movie inherently is, but it's mm-hmm. like he doesn't have control of the momentum of the movie. Uh, he seems completely out of place. Um, and I have a feeling he's a really good friend of LeBron James and therefore why he got the gig. I think there are a dozen of other directors out there who specialize in these kinds of things, like Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Right. I mean, what, what they could have done with this, although they are under contract with Sony, um, somebody like that could have really brought something yeah. to this. And I just think he's over his head. He, he tried his best. I mean, and, and judging by the performance of Don Cheadle, a trained, super amazing actor, the fact that he yelled cut when Don was done with certain scenes and didn't have him do it again tells me that he has so many balls in the air, he didn't know what to do. Right. Out of his, out of his uh, wheelhouse, maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, and, and I hope you that. learned. I hope you learned some things and that he could do things right. like this in the future. I, I don't want to limit him, but just for this to be the first try at something like this, whoo, that is a huge swing and a miss with the bases loaded. Well, I do feel like the, the original... It was 1990, 
96, I think I saw. 96 or 94, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, the, the original, I think, I think what not only did it have Michael Jordan, who at that time was one of the, you know, most famous athletes out there, um, certainly, you know, you, you know, on the top of the list there. Um, but also, you know, we, we had had like, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit and we had these, you know, new kind of, uh, movies where we were integrating, um, integrating animation with real life with you know, with live action. And it was kind of a new thing. And to see the Looney Tunes in that kind of a situation was really great mm-hmm. for everybody. I mean, I loved Looney Tunes as a kid. So yeah, I mean, it was very nostalgic in that, in that regard. And I felt like the, the, uh, they just, you know, had fun with the movie and, you know, kept it pretty, pretty simple, but, but to see all of that played out like that was what, was what made that so much fun. And now it's like, you know, we see this kind of stuff all the time. So it's the novelty clearly has worn off <laughs> as far as, mm-hmm. as far as that is concerned. So if you're not going to do anything above and beyond, then it's just, it's just not going to work. But I guess obviously LeBron is, is the, you know, he just couldn't really quite carry it like Michael Jordan could. So that's too bad. That's too bad. I'm, I'm sure no. it'll still do yeah. pretty well with, yeah, with the, it'll still uh, do well. And, and what I liked a lot about the first one too, is Looney Tunes have kind of been, you know, off the radar of people for a few years. And it reminded people of how great those cartoons are. And I had such hope right. that, that, a whole new generation 25 years later would dive into the Bugs Bunny, you know, canon of Warner Brothers animation and just be like, wow, this is amazing. But I'm just, I'm I'm too afraid that people will walk away from the movie, even though those characters were the best part and just drop it. Yeah. So what rating would you give this then? Two. Two. Too. It was bloated, it was loud, it was colorful, but not in a good way. And, yeah, but I will say, if you have kids, and it's on HBO Max this weekend, and it just happens to be on, eh, let it play. Yeah, I'm sure they enjoy it. It's like a big, yeah. giant video game. All right, exactly. well, uh, then I... I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at it at some point in time, but it's not going to be on the top of my list now. So um, moving on, we're going to talk about Escape Room, Tournament of Champions, which I, which I got to see, but you haven't had a chance to see, which is fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, let me read the, uh, <laughs> the description here. Six people unwittingly, unwittingly find themselves locked in another series of escape rooms, slowly uncovering what they have in common to survive, joining forces with two of the original survivors, they soon discover they're all played by played the game before. Uh, it once again stars uh, Taylor Russell um, and Logan Miller from the original one, and uh, also Thomas Cockerell, Holland Roden, India Moore, a bunch of people that I don't really know. Um, <laughs> uh, there, talk about a cash grab, honestly. Mm. I mean, first of yeah. all. The first one was kind of fun, you know. It, it the escape room, you know, experience is, is something popular, and they're fun right. to do. And of course, you know, it's it's the idea that oh, this time around, you know, you're actually fighting for your life is was fun. I thought the first one was fun, and each of the different yeah. rooms were very, you know, sort of unique, and they had to find the clues, and you know, all of that. 
Um, and then it ended with, uh, you know, Taylor Russell's character and Logan Millen's character saying, oh, we got to expose these people. We got to, you know, let's, let's not make the people that are friends who died in this thing, you know, their, their lives are in vain or whatever. Their deaths are in vain. Um, so I get it. Uh, <laughs> and I thought at the end of the first one, I went, well, if they do a second one, let's just hope that it, you know, it kind of either continues the story in a, in a meaningful way or, you know, whatever the case may be. But unfortunately this just, just, just not <laughs> do any of that. Yeah. It is, uh, just the same thing all over again, except for now, you know, Taylor Russell's like, oh, Taylor, we have to do this over, you know, and it's like you meet these new group of people that they, they have to try to figure out how to, to uh, get out of these rooms. Some of the rooms were kind of weird. Um, you know, I mean, the room part of it actually is the most, the most uh, fun part about this, you know, the, you know, what is it that, that's going to kill him kind of thing. What have they come up with in this room that's going to kill him? Um, you know, and I was in it for that kind of thing. But overall, it was just completely redundant. The acting was near near atrocious. Um, there was no, there was just no uh, continuation or feeling of any kind of newness to this. Uh, Taylor Russell you know, who I kind of heard that she didn't have a great experience begging the first one, and she can just kind of tell him this one, she's just not in it, or trying to be. I mean, I think she's a cute actress, and, and I, I feel like she has some chops, and, you know, depending on, on the project she does. But this one, she's just, it felt like she was phoning it in. Um, and, yeah, it was just just a blah you know, cash grab in, in a whole, in, a, in the largest mm. degree. And, and the dialogue was, you know, was, was stupid. And it's, you know, when they do kind of find out what they all have in common, it just didn't make much sense. The ending again, sort of left it open. I mean, I'm not going to obviously disclose what happens at the end, but it kind of leaves it open for another one. So if this one does make any money, then we might see another one. <laughs> so Yay for that. Let's just hope maybe they learn to maybe do a little bit of better of a job um second time around. But yeah, I mean it's just it's just lost. It's just not it's just nothing really. And I was a little upset I had to drive all the way to Century City to see it. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. And I'm now being so picky about the movies I have to go see because you're like, Ugh. I have to drive. Anyway, it's okay. Um but yeah, I, I mean, I would probably give this one and a half stars. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of that bad. Um, I, I'm giving it a half star for some of the creativity in the room, you know, which, like I said, is probably the most fun of any of. That's why the first one was so was kind of fun because it was just all about all these different rooms as they get into. So, so yeah, not great. So I wouldn't worry about it there, Joel, if you don't want to go see it. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about uh, Fear Street 3, actually Fear Street 1666, yeah. also Fear Street 1994 Part 2. So it's kind of all combining and wrapping this trilogy up. Um, actually, pretty much everyone from the first two movies are in this one in some fashion or another. Uh, the, the, the lead character, Sarah, played by um, Kiana Madeira. 
she, as we saw at the end of two, she kind of transports herself to 1666, where you see what happened to the uh, original Seraph here, uh, living in a, you know, kind of a Puritan village uh, in the New World. Um, and then you kind of find out exactly what happened, how the curse started, and all of that. Uh, also, I said uh, Ashley Zuckerman, who plays uh, the, the sheriff, uh, good. He's in it as well. Julian Jacobs, Olivia Scott Welch, uh, Benjamin Flores Jr. Um, I'll let you start us off on this one. What did you think of the final and the trilogy of Fear Street? I loved it. I mean, this whole thing was just a blast for me. I mean, it was just like... It felt a little bit an old school, but yet there was some new school about it. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of pushed some new envelopes, obviously, with the LGBT angle of the lead characters mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And I just, I, I thought that the third chapter tied the whole thing together so well. Um, I would love, you know, if I ever have six hours to just sit and watch all three back to back. I think, I think that would yeah. be a blast. You know, if it's a rainy day or snowy day from wherever you are, and you're just like, what are we going to do for the afternoon? Boom, Deer Street, dive in. And, like, I just, <laughs> I, just I love the idea of, and I, I'm, I'm myself writing a movie that kind of stems from, like, the Salem witch trials. And there's something about that time yeah. period that, I mean, this is a horror movie. These three are horror movies. It fits in that genre. But there is something to me that is so incredibly terrifying about, being accused of something during that time period, 1666, mm-hmm. and just seeing yep. it, how it played out in this movie, it snowballed so quickly. I mean, she went from just being seen girl who she loved to being called a witch and hung, like, in a matter of minutes. And it was just like yeah. people yelling witch at her and how terrifying that is. But the idea of justice and a court uh, just doesn't exist. And it's basically the, the justice by the masses. And it was like that for a long time in America. You and, know. like, that is terrifying. I mean, she really did yep. nothing wrong. And yet this character sets off this curse that is still affecting this town 400 years later. And I just... <laughs> You can tell it's based on a book, and, and like I said before, it, it, it's based on a book series that are like 13 of these Fear Street books, that, that, that there's so much rich material there that the filmmakers, I felt like they had so much to choose from. And they chose wisely, and they connected the dots with the various time periods, and Gillian Jacobs, was, or Gillian Jacobs is great. Uh, she's a survivor from the 78 Camp Massacre, and she plays a big part in uh, 1994 Part 2. And, and I just thought how all these pieces, all these people who, like, didn't know each other, but they're connected by this curse, come together and, and, and fight evil. I just, I just had such a good time with this. And it yeah. took me. I mean, some, sometimes you're watching TV, you know, a movie on television, and you know you're watching a movie on television. I was in this world, period. And I think that's the ultimate yeah. compliment. Yeah. And you know what I really love about what all three of these movies has, has done is, is they, they not only is it telling a kind of a cool, you know, a, a good story really. And, and, and how it all works out and the, the, you know, the conclusion and how you find out about the curse. I mean, all of that was very satisfying. I didn't feel it was, yeah, you know, obviously it's based on the books, but again, I felt, 
you know, I was in it and the conclusions and the, and the things that didn't make me, you know, roll my eyes or anything else. But what I really love about each of these three movies, including this, this last one, is they, they, they pay homage or they take you to that time period yes. and sort of show you, show you the horror of that, you know? So the first one was sort of a kind of a slashery, you know, 19th, like a scream, obviously. The first one was more like scream. The second one was more like a Friday the 13th or, you know, slasher yep. type movies, the 80s. Uh, early late seventies, and then this one felt very much like a witch, you know, the witch or the, the or or that kind the of witch, a yeah. horror, like yeah, like you were saying uh, with with you know the idea that villagers, you know, these Puritans who who founded this country and how just messed up yep. they were and, and how they would any any one thing that would go wrong, you know, if the crops failed or whatever this, they'd have to blame it on something. And they, you know, chose to, you know, do the, the religious godly way. And so there has to be a devil and there has to be evil and there has to be this. So it is. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. So I really loved how each movie was actually different in the tone and feel of them. And we talked about with the other two as well, the music, you know, was, is yeah. a very big part of, of that. Of course, in 66, we didn't have any pop songs. So they kind of kept it less music on that end, you know, and they really, they kind of just immerse you into this Puritan world. But then, boom, you get back to 1994 part two and you're back to some good tunes again, you know. So um, it's, it was just really well done all the way through. Just a fun and horror I, and trilogy. And go ahead. Now, I was just to say, like, I, I think that the, the, the whole idea of the 1666 and the religiousness, the fact that they chose <laughs> And this is not giving anything away because it's in the trailer that the minister, the town minister is actually the first one to be extolling all this horrible evil. I mean, you can't get more on the dot of being critical of religion and the way it was run back then and maybe even a little bit now, but like then having the killer be the minister of the town. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And yep. yet it's, it's still going to get blamed on the witch and the women. She possessed right. him and made him do it. It's right. always the woman's fault. And yep. oh, I just, that just gives me the chills. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. It's also very, you know, infuriating as well. But, you know, we're, we're not going to yeah. get into that discussion right this second. Nope. But, yeah. Um, Everybody, you know, does, does, they do a good job. And like I said, I, I felt the story was, was really solid. And there's, you know, there's definitely some humor involved as well. You know, um, Gillian Jacobs is great. And yeah, I mean, that last confrontation at the end was, was, was great. And, um, you know, very satisfying, very satisfying hard. I mean, I would give this another four and a half stars. How about you? Yeah, four and a half. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I like too yeah. that, that, in the end, in some ways, this was a love story. Mm-hmm. It was just oh, yeah. about two people who really wanted to be together and what they yeah. would have to go through to do that. And I think that couldn't be more timely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly feel that, that you know, ma- making it more about a LBGQ, like we said, is, is a very interesting and 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 poignant and relevant 
thing to, to center on in this, you know, the love story. And I thought that was really, really well done as well. Two young actresses playing the, the parts did a nice job. Mm-hmm. I particularly liked Olivia Scott Welch. I just, I don't know, she, yes. I just kind of liked, she was very watchable in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, that that was all good. All right, so moving on, we're going to talk about a movie that you both and I really, really loved. It's Pig. Very funny name for a movie, but that is indeed the name of the movie. Uh, it uh, stars Nicolas Cage as a truffle hunter who lives alone in the uh, Oregonian wilderness, who must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. <laughs> um, it also stars Alex Wolf, uh, Adam Adam Arkin, uh, and, and it's directed by Michael Sarnowski. Uh, I'll I'll start us off on this one. Um, I was <laughs> I was just uh, floored by how much I loved this movie. I I uh, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, uh-uh. To be honest, I mean I'd seen I'd seen a trailer, but maybe I didn't pick up on it. But from from what I you know from the poster, and I thought maybe that this took place like in the 1800s or something. You know, I mean, he was it's Nicolas Cage is sort of a mountain man living out in the in the wilderness like this, but but he's not actually. It's modern day, and um, I mean, I just it is one of the more unique films I've seen in a, in a long time. Um, and I know we've we've reviewed a few movies in the last year or so that we felt that way about too. I feel like some of the mm-hmm. originality might be coming back around. Uh, but, Oh, is it based on a book? No, it's not. It's a, it's an original screenplay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this, there's so much to unpack in this, but it, it is, it's at its core, it's still a simple story. It's about this, this man who, you know, has formed this, this bond with his pig and, pig gets cut, kidnapped and so then he goes on the quest to try to find the pig and he ends up having to go back into the city like like it says to kind of confront his past but there's just so many layers to it uh you know it's kind of a cross between like a babette's feast <laughs> because there's this whole foodie aspect to it that's fantastic because you come to find out that this truffle hunter, you know, I mean, I don't, I guess we don't want to give too much away, do we? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Away. Yeah. I thought about that. I feel that. like I, to really experience this film, but let me just say this, Nicholas Cage for, for all of the things that he's done in his career and he has done so many bad movies. I mean, you know, I think personally he was in trouble with the IRS. So I think he had to keep making whatever anyone offered him because he needed money. So he would just make these awful, awful movies, and he would just chew the scenery up and just, you know, even even the ones that people love, like Face Off or, um, what's the other one I'm trying to think of? Uh, oh, uh, The Rock. Uh, you know, The Rock's great, actually. Face Off, I didn't love so much. So you know how he could just, he's over the top, right? He's kind of like that. Yeah. He's kind of like the Al Pacino where he's like, oh, and he hits on the table and yells a lot. That Nick Cage is okay, you know, I get it. I get what he's doing, and he, you know, in his day, he did have some good action flicks under his belt. But when he does something like Leaving Las Vegas or Adaptation or this, you're like, oh, Nick, can't you just 
have you paid off everything you need to pay off? And yeah. can you just keep making these types of movies? Because this is the Nick Cage that I adore. He is so good in this. I mean, I'm not sure what his Oscar chances are at this point, because obviously it's very early. But I think, it, you know, if enough people see this and really love it as much as we do, and I think they should. I mean, it's got like a 98% of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you know, he may have some legs for this. And that would not be interesting to have him back in the, well, in the mix like that after so many years. Go ahead, what? There. There's a lot of buzz about this movie. I mean, and I actually made a point of not watching the trailer. And it just, people are like, pig, oh, pig, oh, pig. And usually when that happens, the last time I kind of remember that happened um, is with um, oh, J.K. Simmons won the Oscar. That's not my tempo uh, yeah. of that movie. With, yeah, like with, people with started that, seeing yeah. it. Whiplash and telling yep. people and telling people and telling people. And that came out early. That was like September. I mean, not July early. But, like, J.K. Simmons was the forefront uh, Oscar uh, favorite and then won. And, and Nick here, he says so much with so little. And his, yep. his connection with that pig uh, is, is so raw and real and adoring and endearing. And he loves that thing. And it's a truffle pig. It smells out truffle. Um, but what I also love is later – Cage admits, like, I don't need the pig to find truffles. The trees tell me. Right. And, like, it's more about a pet. If anybody has ever had a pet, this is a movie for you. I mean, it doesn't have to be a dog or a cat or anything. I mean, this is about the relationships between animals and humans and the bond that has been going back for a millennia. And it comes through Nick Cage's face and body and actions and I, this is, I want to call it a hurricane of a performance, but that's not right because it's so subtle. It, it's just very subtle. He, he, his characterization engulfs you and you are in his world for a hundred minutes and it's dirty. It's messy. It's messed up. And it's got a past that is hanging over him like an anvil. The way that actor carries it, I'm reminded of what Sean Penn said. He and uh, Nick Cage went to high school together at Hollywood High. And he says that Nick Cage stopped being an actor after Con Air. And I led my review mm. with that comment. Oh, Con Air, that's Because <laughs> I, think, I think this is Nick Cage being an actor, like the actor of his generation. Yep. I mean, right up there with some of the greats. Because this is a whirlwind of a performance and it is the main reason to see this movie. I mean, at its heart is a very simple story, but if you've ever had a pet or something that you cared about like that, this is the movie to see this weekend period. But it also just absolutely, but it also just, um, it explores so many things, you know, uh, there's just a lot of, like I said, a lot of layers to it and, 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 and the broader, the broader spectrum of it is just, it just hits you in the heart and, uh, and, and, it, you know, in, in this world too, this universe, you're, you're like, wow, it's like the cutthroat business of you know, finding great ingredients to make something, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, a, it's just the universe in a world that, probably does exist, but you just don't know about it, you know? Um, and just his characterization of this, of this person and this, 
Uh, yeah, it was just, it was unbelievably uh, moving, heartfelt, and, uh, you know, make sure you eat a meal before you go see it. So <laughs> I was going to say that yeah. as well. Um, it's his, you know, he, you know, it's the funny thing is, is that you, we talk about him doing all of these, you know, schlocky, schlocky movies, but he throws one in there like this one. Um, or what was the other one? He, oh, Kick-Ass, he was really great in that as well. And that was in 2010. What was the one he recently did that everybody talked about? Mandy. Joe? Mandy. Mandy. Okay. Mandy. Ah, yeah. That was like, oh, yeah, he can act, you know? (laughs) Yes. And his upcoming movie sounds incredible. He plays himself. But he has to play his previous characters in certain situations to help out a catastrophic, a, potential, a catastrophically potential situation. And and a lot of people I know that have read the script are like, I can't wait to see this movie. So maybe Nick is wow, back. Unbearable weight of massive talent. I love that title. Yeah, <laughs> That's yep, a great there title. It is. And it's Nick wow. Cage playing Nick he's Cage. Playing, he's also going to do a miniseries playing Joe Exotic from the Tiger right Tiger thing. Yeah, so that's, well, that, that again. I feel like he he can do he can do that in sleep. But it's stuff like yeah. this where we just see the subtlety of him. Um, he's just he is he's still he is one of my favorite actors when he, when he does this kind of stuff. So I mean, I'd give this five stars. How about you? There was nothing about it five. that I didn't completely no, was engrossed in. This is the movie that you tell everyone you know about. I mean, every yeah. chance I get, I'm dropping the word pig. <laughs> yeah. You got to spread the word on this one, everybody. Cause it's, uh, I think it's just playing in limited theaters right now, but I'm sure it'll get to streaming at some point soon. And, you know, just spread the word because it is truly a, a, a beautiful work of art and, and an amazing performance by by uh, Nick Cage. But also Alex, Alex Wolf was great. Adam Arkin was yeah. great. You know, I mean, yep. everyone else in it is really rises rises to the occasion. So, uh, but it really is Nick's movie all the way. So, good on him. I'm glad. I do. I always root totally. for him, no matter what. Always. All right, so we're we're getting down to the wire here. We're going to talk about uh, the action flick Gunpowder Milkshake, which is actually streaming on Netflix right now. It stars um, Karen Gillian, uh, Lena, Lena Hetty, Carla Gugino, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Angela Bassett, Paul Giamatti. It's got a great cast. Um, let me read the description here. Uh, three generations of women fight back against those who could take everything from them. Well, that's about as simple as I can get. <laughs> and it's directed yeah. by, I'm not going to know how to say this game, that guy's name, uh, Navo, Navo Papushado. Not sure. Anyway, what did you think of Gunpowder Milkshake? <laughs> I loved it. I had a blast. I mean, this is a... Uh... I hate, I hate that I'm saying this, but it's like a female John Wick, and I only mean it in the sense that... Yeah, I know. You you have to say it. You have to. It is absolutely that. This is a world where there are killers and bad people, and there never seems to be any police anywhere, and, you know, 
people, <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they're good, bad people. And then they're bad, bad people. And, you know, Karen Gillan is one of the good, bad people because she kills people who probably deserve to be killed. And her mother is Lena Hetty and she disappeared 15 years ago and left her in the hands of Paul Giamatti. And he grew her up to be an assassin and, there's this library, which reminds me of the hotel in, in John Wick. Yep. So, I mean, there's little new ground pushed here in terms of the narrative. But plot is whip smart. The dialogue just grabs you. Um, the relationships are real in between bullets flying. Um, and it's fun. And, and it's fun in the same way as John Wick, you know. And there's a lot of suspension of disbelief, but... Man, is if Karen Gillan is not an action movie superstar, I don't know who is. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, here is a little bit of a longer uh, synopsis. Uh, you know, like we said, she uh, she grew up. Uh, she plays the character Scarlet, is who she plays, and she grows up, you know, with an absent mom and becomes this this professional assassin. Except for she still has kind of a heart, and so she. Uh, you know, kind of missteps here and there, and then she ends up having to protect this eight-year-old girl, and uh, mm-hmm. and then you know because of because of her missteps, she's now being hunted, and uh, so then you know it's it's all about. But it's when she, for me, the movie the movie's a lot of fun. I had fun with it too, and the action's great. But it really start it kicked off for me is when she, you know, is when Lena Headey comes back into the picture, and you yeah. know they go back to the library. They go back to the library, and you know, then you've got Angela Bassett, Carla Gugino, and Michelle Yeoh as these third aunties or librarians. Or yeah. I don't know what they are. I don't know what this place. I don't know what this place is, but it's fantastic. I wanted to go there. Um, yeah. But yeah, then you get this whole, you know. Go ahead. What? I love it when Carla Gugino just pushes a book down and says, "Everybody could use a little Jane Austen." <laughs> And they're looking at her, she goes, to read. <laughs> you know, she really loves the books. The other two are more about the action and the, the other side of Guns. the library. <laughs> Guns. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is, uh, for me, it took off then. So the first kind of 20 minutes of it, I'm like, ugh. I mean, I, like, I, I did like Kara Gillian. I think she's great, and she just has some, definitely has some action chops. We've seen it, and, and now this is, you know, full-fledged. Um, but it was a little... I don't know. I just felt a little, little rote, uh, you know, and, and not as, uh, not as intriguing as say a John Wick, you know, but then once again to the meat of it and we get these other women involved, I was in it, man. I was totally in it. And the yep. action sequences and slow-mo with guns and all kinds of things. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm down. Bring it on. Um, bring it on. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, it was it was a little muddled, but at the but at the end of the day, it was just a fun action ride. So, what would what rating would you give this? Uh, I give it 4 stars. Um, and I think there's also a, a, a turning point in the film when she does meet this 8-year-old girl. It's like, you know, the right. the innate maternalness of her. Like, yes, she's a killer, but she, at the same time she is a a woman who can be a mother and I really thought that relationship was nice too. So I, I'd say four stars. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go a little less. I'm gonna go three and a half. Like I said, I felt it didn't really take off for me until until the little girl, and then and then when they get to the library. So for me, a little, little less than that, but still fun fun action movie. It's got the little girl. Um, 
to uh, was the same old girl from uh, My Spy, the one My that she Spy. did with, um, yeah, with David. Uh, David Batista. So she's got she's got some chops too, this little one. So yeah, probably watch out for her to become an action star in the, in the future. <laughs> so anyway, um, so that like I said, that's streaming on Netflix. And then finally, we're going to talk about the documentary about Anthony Bourdain uh, and his career as a chef, writer, and host, revered and renowned for his authentic approach to food, culture, and travel. Uh, he he cause he killed himself, right? Was that the yes? Yep. Yeah. So I didn't get a chance to see this. You did. It's directed by Morgan Neville. Uh, what did you think of this? Um, I I really loved it. I mean, I am not an Anthony Bourdain fan per se. Like his show, uh, Parts Unknown on CNN, I never watched it. Uh, I love the idea of it. I love the idea. Anytime we're talking about music unifying the world, I also don't think it's mentioned enough that food unifies the world. And, um, you know, to see Anthony tour the world and how that even came to be is really fascinating. He was just a wine cook in a famous restaurant in New York, and he wrote Kitchen Confidential, and it became an enormous success. And then they made a movie about it with Bradley Cooper. And, you know, and then it was just... And then went right to his head, and he got a heroin addiction, a cocaine addiction, and, you know, he just kind of triumphed. And, you know, these two producers approached him about, like, you know, doing a TV show. Let's just drive around and, you know, you do food and talk mm-hmm. to people and see what happens. And then to see how that turned into what his career turned into is really fascinating. Um, and I thought the direction is great. But there's, there's a small problem that I think requires a different discussion than here. Um, it's directed by Morgan yeah. Neville. He he got an Oscar for 28 to stardom, and he also did uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the story on Fred Rogers, mm. which I thought was one of right, the, best, right. the best movies of the year, regardless of what genre it is. It has been released in the last couple of days that he used AI, computer, to make Anthony Bourdain use words he said elsewhere to fit the narrative of his story. So I guess there's a line at the beginning of the movie where he says, this is not going to have a happy ending. And apparently he didn't really say that. Uh, so interesting. now this is a very lauded director and he's responded not in the best way. Um, he said, mm. watch the movie for what it is. If you want to convene a documentary and ethics panel later, let me know. It's like, oh, that's not how you respond to that. Um, <laughs> and it's a sh- it's a shame, and I hope I pray that it doesn't overshadow the movie because the movie is important, and it shows uh, you know something about the continuity of the world, how we are all in this together, and this one man, and why he was so enigmatic, and and so many people liked him, and he has a way with words. My gosh, I mean, he was sending emails yeah. to a friend, and his friend took the emails and showed them to somebody at Simon and Schuster, and that's how he got the book deal. I mean, it was just the way he wow. wrote emails was just so lyrical that there was something truly special about this man. And he had lots of demons. There's no question. Obviously, they claimed his life. Um, but it just, I'm hoping it's not overshadowed by what the director did. And the director said he got the sign off of his last ex-wife. And the ex-wife came out today and said, I did not do any such thing. Um and he, the director tried to say that's what Anthony would have wanted. 
Um, we can debate that till the cows come home. But as a movie, I think it's intense, it's powerful, and important. And uh, if you like Anthony Bourdain, you will love this movie. Okay. Well, what's uh, what rating did you give? Taking the controversy out of it, because that's not what I'm here to yeah. do. I would give it four stars. Right. Okay. Well, he was very much a larger than life character, and you know, uh, and food is always a <laughs> it's kind of a running theme <laughs> this week. Pigs and food. There's a lot of pigs in yep. the uh, Fear Street movie too. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I I don't really, you know, I never really watched those kinds of shows, the cooking shows or anything. But you know, certainly yeah. I I knew that he was a larger life character, so I'll probably check this out as well. Okay, so yeah, that should do it for good. us. We're pretty much at, at our uh, at our time here. Um, thank you, Joel, again for joining us, and joining me, and uh, watch. You know, make sure to read all of Joel's reviews on his website, themoviematch.com. Uh, next week, we have, I think it was an M. Night Sh- Shyamalan movie, right? Old? Is that coming out yep, next week? Old. I think so. Um, yep. And I think Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes. Oh, Snake Eyes. Yes. Right. Right. So a couple Henry of good Golden. ones coming up next week as well. Yes. He's so cute. Oh, um, so join us then. Oh, yes. Yes. I love her. And another Which kind I've of action flick. So. Ah, and I can't wait to talk yeah. about. Well, I, I've got the link, so I'm going to get a chance to watch it. So, yay on that! Um, so, join us next week for those for those films. But again, have a great weekend, and definitely check out Pig and spread the word. <laughs> <laughs>